if Lord would help me for a little while, I want to preach on this thought right here. Let God pick your shoes. 36 times the Bible uses this word shoe or shoes. The first time in the Bible, if you go by Bible interpretation, that first principle will carry true to the end. <laughs> Woo! The first time a shoe latchet is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 14. Y'all remember when Abraham comes up and God's wrote a great victory and uh, there's two kings light out for him at the same time. And there's two kings after you and they headed at the same time. One of them's the king of Sodom. That's a picture of the devil. And the other one's the king of Salem. That's Melchizedek, the picture of Jesus. And when they get over there, you know what? He says, he says, I'm not gonna let you give me one shoe. I'm not gonna let take one shoe latchet from you, devil. I'm not taking one provision that you have provided. I'm gonna trust my God to take care of me. And he sets the example that we ought to let God pick our shoes. Would you agree? The second time it's mentioned, Brother Jeremy, is in Exodus chapter three. And remember what the Bible says. He says this. He said in Exodus chapter three, take thy shoes from off thy feet for the place where on thy... I'm wanting to take mine off now. For the place whereon thou stand is holy ground. And Moses got ushered in to the divine presence of God speaking to him through a burning bush. You say, what difference does that make? He's Moses. God ought to speak to him. Hold up. He is a murderer. You mean God can save a murderer? Whoa, yes he can. He is a murderer, friend, and yet God saved him. He's brought up and taught in the University of Egypt, been sitting on the backside of the desert because he murdered somebody for 40 years. For 80 years, he ain't talked to God. But praise God now, God said, I want to show up. I'm glad it don't matter how old you are. You can't teach an old dog new tricks when God shows up. And he took his feet off to worship. And he put his feet off, took his shoes off to work. Amen. Been in Exodus 12, it's the third time. Now I'm just trying to lay the groundwork by way of introduction. The 12th, Exodus 12, the third time is when they put their shoes out, when they're going out trusting in the blood of the lamb. It wouldn't cause us any better than anybody else in Egypt. Now I like what you said about Joshua. Joshua won the fight in the valley because of somebody's hands that was lifted by others on the hilltop. Boy, that's a picture of Calvary. But don't think that Joshua was a natural born soldier. He's been a slave. And yet God's gonna use a slave to win a fight. If you think you're fit for the fight, if you're saved, if you're wondering about it, guess what? You are fit for the fight. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Exodus chapter number 12, they walked out, thank God, depending on the blood of the lamb. I'm so glad he is the lamb. I'm glad he's the limb, the root of Jesse, and I'm glad he's the lion. And this praise God lamb, hallelujah, blood was shed as a picture of what Jesus knew at Calvary. 
But it brings us to our text. Now, there's other places in the text, other places in the Bible, but it brings us to these texts. I'm interested today if we're to get our shoes, <laughs> if the Lord's to pick our shoes and we are to take off them shoes so we can enter into his presence and worship and we are to wear them shoes and march out for Jesus in victory because of the blood he shed at Calvary, then I want to know about some shoes in the Bible. Notice our text talks about permanent shoes. You say, preacher, why you say they're permanent? Because God operates on eternal and we operate on time. When we see these permanent shoes, we are reminded of God's ability. We're reminded that he is the great I am. Don't you remember what he told Moses? He said, tell him I am that I am sent you. Now here's what it would say if there could ever be a time when you could go back where God did not exist, he would have said, I am what I was not. And if there was ever going to be a time when he was going to change and he was going to cease to be what he always has been, he would have said, I am that I will not be. But that ain't what he said. He said, I am that I am. He said, I don't change. Boy, that helps me. I am that I am. I ever was, I ever will be, and I ever am. Think about him being born and that little lowly babe, born in a lowly place, placed in a lowly manger, born to a lowly woman. But look again, he's the eternal son. Thank God. Hey, this is God that never had a beginning and will never have an ending. And yet he had a birthday. He did that for you and me. I know it ain't Christmas, but I'm about to break out the Christmas gift. He's the lovely babe. Amen. The lowly babe. Thank God. And the Lord who is babe. I think about deity. He's God that had no beginning. Amen. He was at no age and yet he had a birth. He, the matter of fact, brother, God promised it. The prophets prophesied about it. The angels announced it. Heaven couldn't contain it and we all get to enjoy it and when we believe, we can shout about it. Hallelujah. God's eternal son, the eternal son of God, became flesh for you and me. Why, preacher? So he could die. See, when I think about these permanent shoes, shoes that lasted, I think about a salvation that lasts. I think about a Lord that lasts. I'm glad we don't have to get a recap after we get saved. I'm glad we don't have to redo it every Sunday. I'm glad when he saves you, he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. I know we may veer off the course and there may be times we smell like a hog because we've been down at the hog pen and we may not look like we saved. But if there's ever been a time, if you're down there in the hog pen, you ain't happy about it. And you're not, hey, sin brings conviction. That's right. And the only thing that'll comfort you is getting back right with God. I'm glad salvation is eternal, amen. If salvation's eternal, why did he come, brother Jeremy? Hey, take the sinner's place. 
to bear the sinner's curse, to pay the sinner's debt, to suffer like a sinner would, to wash sin's filth away. Amen. He said the only person that could ever do that is the I am. And guess what? He done it. He said it is finished. Hallelujah. His love, his attributes, his essence doesn't change because he don't change. People change. There's times people smile at you and times they look weird at you. And if you daddies in here would be honest with me, as much as you love your kids, there's times your kids wag their head, roll their eyes. Don't act so sanctimonious. Y'all know y'all got them too. Amen. And you'd like to smack the grin right off of their face. I'm just saying, there's times you like that. But ain't you glad that God don't treat his kids like that? I mean, when we just walk off thinking we know more than God, act any way we want to act, rebellious to his will, murmur under our breath, live like we want to live, I'm glad God don't run us off, but he will chasten us and wire us back out to himself. I'm glad God don't do things to you. He does things for you. He loves us because he don't change, Brother Jeremy. He's like a bloom that always blooms. He, his love is a perpetual boom. It blooms. It's always summer. Think about it like this. He loved largely back in eternity of time. He loved you and was predestined to die for you. He loves you truly. Thank God in the fullness of time, he became a man and to die for your sins and mine. He loves you truly. He loves you tenderly. When the Holy Ghost came back there where he was, got you under conviction, brought you to an altar, saved your soul. He loves you faithfully. When you're up, when you're down, when you're good, when you're bad, when you're, hey, thank God, like Brother Jared says, we can just fail him and he keeps on faithfully blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. He loves you intensely. You know why I say that? One day he's gonna come back to get me. The I am made these shoes. Everything he does is gonna last. Because he loved us, we're loved. Because he saved us, we're saved. Because he sanctified us, we're sanctified. Because he justified us, we're justified. You say, preacher, that don't help me. It ought to help you. Because if God has justified you, who can condemn you? I'll put it like this. I like the way Romans puts it. If God's for you, who can be against you? <laughs> I think about that six-day war. When they all gathered up, a friend of mine was in a chaplain assistant in Vietnam during that six-day war back in 69, I believe. And he said that he got the story, made it through all the ranks and all the countries around the world. They couldn't figure out why them a bunch of Muslims couldn't wear them Israelites out. And they said they'd send droves of people up there and said they'd all come falling back down the sand dunes and all they could see is one guy standing on top of that hill. <laughs> it said they sent another company and they all come back falling down. And one of five, five 
And they said, what's going on? We don't see but one guy. And he said, that's all you can see. Until you get up there, then there's a big man on his side. <laughs> I'm glad my God is a man of war and ain't nobody gonna whoop him. He can handle your situation. Hey, the battle's his, brother Jeremy. Hallelujah. He loves us. We're taken care of. He justifies. He cares for us. Now that'll help you when you realize that God can take care of you and he'll watch over you. You say, preacher, would he do it for me? I had some tires. You know what tires are? They shoes for a car. <laughs> that's, what my grand, that's what my stepdaddy says. said, you need to get some new shoes on this car. Oh, I had some tires. They look good. I mean, they had tread on them. And as far as I know, that's good. But I bought an old car that had been sitting up for about 10 years. Didn't have no dry rod on it. But I didn't realize that them tires that looked new was busting out on the inside. He, I get over to the uh, alignment guy in Rutherford County. And he says, preacher, it's a miracle you've been driving on these. I said, I've been driving on them for about five months. I thought my car was out of line. It kept jerking me to, he said, there's a bubble on that thing that big. And he said, you need to go to Walmart. So I went to Walmart. I went to Walmart and said, listen, I ain't over here a lot. Can I get these tires taken care of at Sam's? They said, can't do it, preacher. You gotta go all the way to Sam's. If you buy them at Sam's, we'll take care of them both places. I said, God, you took care of me this far. I drove it to Spartanburg, 70 mile an hour. Went down the highway, shouting the victory. I get down there, that man says, preacher, you crazy. I said, I'm telling you, if God can make shoes last 40 years, he can make these tires last four more hours. Can I just go on record and say, I've got a God that takes care of his youngest. I wanted to grab Hollis because he's really wanting to preach her when his mama was singing. And uh, I thought to myself, hey, I, I'm just thinking he wants me. But you know what? God knows exactly what he wants. And you know, you're sitting in here today and you're thinking, God, I've got some needs. And if you took care of Israel and 40 year long shoes and took care of clothes, I mean, Tommy Hilfiger would like to have make some shoes that last 40 years. Am I right? Boy, it'd be nice if these suits lasted more than six months. If I wasn't so rough, they probably would. But they won't last long. But God said, I can make you some clothes and some shoes that'll take care of your need. If God did that for them, and he's no respecter of person, I'm telling y'all, he can do it for you. I don't know what you need is, but I know God can permanently take care of it. If you're lost, he can permanently take care of it. Yes, he can. Amen. Thank God. Then look with me, if you will. And Deuteronomy 33, I won't stay here long because, uh, amen, we need to keep going. But Deuteronomy 33, verse number 25. Not only do we see permanent shoes, we see pertinent shoes. He's all-knowing. Not only is he the I am, not only is he almighty, but according to this text, Brother Jeremy, he knows exactly what kind of shoes. Now, because I preached on it a little bit at the funeral, mentioned a few things at the funeral and preached on it Sunday. I'm not gonna preach on it again, but let me just say, I couldn't go over these shoes and not mention that God has specially and perfectly designed these shoes. What I'm saying is, let God pick your shoes. 
He knows the heavy steps you got. He knows the hard steps you got. He knows how to dip you daily in the supply of the Holy Ghost. He knows how to daily strengthen you. He knows how to daily shelter you. And he knows daily how to hold you up with his everlasting arms. And then Joshua chapter number three. We see in Joshua 3, these are praising, or Joshua 5, these are praising shoes. I like praising shoes. And it came to pass when Joshua, where's my buddy at? I still, I love praising shoes. Every once in a while, I just want to call recess and shout. And I said it last week, I want to see if you're still with me today. Recess was my favorite subject in school. Hey, man, son, hallelujah. He helps me every time. Hey, you know what, brother Jerry? You can't fail recess. You're right. Oh, you, I'm telling you, you can't fail recess. You're right. All you got to do is show up. You're right. Hey, Join in yeah. and have a good time. Hey, I was wanting to get on that participator. <laughs> Them taters. I just want to get on that participator. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. Amen. And all you got to do is just jump in and have a time. You know what God wants his children to do? Just jump in and have yourself a time. God knows the hardships. God knows everything that's going on in your life. And he's able to make shoes that are pertinent to your need. But he's also able to make praise and shoes. He'll let you go ahead and worship him. Notice in our text, here's what Joshua says. Not only labor here just for a second because I want y'all to notice verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, art thou for us? Or for our adversaries. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. The Lord showed up for Joshua, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou stand is holy ground. And Joshua did so. You know what Joshua did? For They're gonna walk around this place for seven days, 13 total times, and nobody's gonna be able to shout and nobody's gonna be able to worship. But God pulled over to Joshua and said, Joshua, I'm gonna let you worship. Now he took off one shoe. I believe he only had one foot. You don't have to believe that. It's all right if you wanna be wrong, Tom. I, it's, it's my opinion, I'll just say that. I believe he had one foot because God knows how to say, take your shoes from off your feet. And then he knows how to say, take your shoe from off your foot. But I will say this, it is a picture of redemption. And whenever somebody would take off that shoe in the Old Testament, in my, one of my favorite books, the book of Ruth, it meant that I, your debt was paid. I have paid your debt. I've purchased the debtor. And now, thank God, I'm gonna take care of you in the future. And this shoe is the evidence that nobody else would and nobody else could. But I did it. I took care of you. And so taking off that shoe is a picture of redemption. Aren't you glad Jesus died for you? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody else can do it. Only God can pay your debt and only God can purchase the debtor. Ain't you glad? But more than that, brother, it was a resignation. Picture this. Here's what he was saying. 
Joshua, you can't do this, but I can do it for you. Now, here's what amazes me, Mickey. Joshua's outside Jericho. He's looking at these big high walls, and he's trying to figure out how they're going to get them down. And God said he's going to defeat Jericho. And God's going to give him some instructions. All you got to do is walk, blow the trumpet, go back to the house, don't say a word. Come back on the seventh day. Hey, man, on the sixth day, walk around seven times, 13 times, and the walls is going to fall flat. I'm going to stick my thumb and push them down in the sand. You're going to walk straight over. I believe that. That's what the Bible said. Push them down. You know, archaeologists said that Nineveh and Jericho didn't exist. They had to eat them words when they dug it up and found it. How'd they find it? By the Bible. Yeah. It's just saying science catching up with the Bible. Right. Bible's always right. Amen. And God pushed it down into the ground. Only thing left was Rahab. Right. Her little apartment complex where her mom and daddy was. It was held up by a scarlet thread. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Look like, look like a scarlet skyscraper. Amen. Hallelujah. Has a testimony to the world. The only way that you can be delivered when judgment falls is to be saved by the scarlet thread of the blood of the Lamb of God. That's the only hope. Buddha can't help you. Fortune cookies can't get you there. But Jesus can. Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. Here's what a resignation. Took his shoe off. Let me see it here. Took his shoe off. It means I won't go to battle. The Lord's going to, it's going to be his battle. Here is what I want you to think about. Joshua was worried about Jericho. Miss Connie testified this morning. Joshua was worried about Jericho. He wanted Jericho to fall. But the Lord wanted Joshua to fall on his face and worship him. And God was more concerned about Joshua not falling out in the battle. And so he showed up to him. Notice what it said. When he saw that man with the sword, he didn't get on his face. It wasn't what he saw that made him fall out flat in worship. It's what he heard. When you think about the gospel news, woo, and you hear the good news of Jesus, it'll make you want to fall down and call on Jesus too and resign your right and realize you can't win the battle. You can't redeem yourself, amen. It's a picture of redemption, a picture of resignation, a picture of recognizing who's in charge. And Ruth, there's another instance. I won't labor there, but let me just say this. He became the man of sorrows (laughs) that he might become my means of salvation, become the master of my soul, the Lord of my life, he became the man of sorrows that he might be the means of my salvation, the master of my life, that one day he'd come back to get me and I could be the mate of the bridegroom and eat the marriage supper of the lamb. That's what the whole thing going on in the book of Ruth is. She started out a damsel in distress. She became a daughter in the field. Then she became a diner at the table. And then she became a delighter in the lineage of the Lord. I mean, God took her from reject, thank God, to redemption to the Redeemer's line. Boy, God can do that for anybody. But then, where I want to get to today, just for a minute, 
is Luke 15. When I think about Luke 15, it's not the purchase shoe. It's not the pertinent shoe. When I think about Luke 15, it's a precious shoe. Anybody ever been disobedient to God? Don't lift your hand. There wouldn't be enough room for all of us to lift our hands. Anybody ever failed God since you got saved? Maybe you had. If you don't mind, I'd like to get your picture. And I want to get you the autograph. I'd like to have the first perfect person I ever met. There's nobody in this building that would ever try to convince you that once you get saved, you're perfect. In fact, when you get saved, that's when the fight starts. Because up until that point, you've been the devil's. But now you've switched families and you're one of God's children. And you remember what happened to that boy? Remember what happened to the son? Went down out of the hall pen. You know what he said, Brother Lander? I love this. He come back, he said, I just deserve, I don't deserve nothing. I'll just be a slave. And his father said, oh no, you're my son. Slaves didn't wear shoes, but sons did. He said, he came back out of that hall pen, stinking and smelling like hall slop. He had started back, and before he started back, the father was already looking. And when he started down the road, brother, he ran where he was. Thank God, fell on his neck, kissed hog slop and all, kissed that stinking all, loved on him. <laughs> oh, God help me. Amen. Loved on that old boy. That boy said, I don't deserve nothing. Just give me a place to lay my head. He said, Oh, no. You deserve more than a slave. You're more than just a place. You have a position here. He put the king, the king's seal, the daddy's seal, the ring back on his finger again. Hallelujah. He said, I don't deserve nothing but a little bit of compassion. He says, oh no, you get more than compassion. You get a kiss. That son said, I don't deserve nothing. And the father says, I declare everything. Some of yours. In fact, that boy says, I really deserve pity. In fact, I don't even deserve pity. Right. And the Lord's, the father, the picture of the Lord said, I'm gonna crack up a party. Party going on yes, at the father's house because right. the son has got back. Amen. Now I'm gonna tell you that helped me. Yes, I wish to God the boy had never went to the hog pen. Right. But if we'll be honest, some of us go to the hog pen and we clean up real good for the next service. Everybody goes to the hog pen, don't fall out of church. The Bible talks about being backslid in your heart. You may be sitting on the church pew. That's one of the things used to bug me when I was lost. If all them hypocrites is all right, then I'm all right. Yeah, I don't need church. Hey, but then I got to thinking, wait a minute, them same hypocrites go to Walmart and I'm still pushing my buggy there. Hold up a minute. Hey, if I, I'm a hypocrite now. I'll go other places they go. They go the lake and I still go the lake. Hey, they went to the ballrooms and I still went there. Help me, Jesus. Yes, sir. You know what I finally realized? Hey, man, I got under conviction. I didn't care about no backslider. I didn't care about no hypocrite. 
I wouldn't have known if everybody in the house was. I'm telling you, all I want to do is get saved. I didn't care about nothing, nobody but getting saved. And when I got, I didn't even know how to pray when I got saved. I didn't know John 3, 16. I didn't know what to say. They could have read a hundred scriptures. It wouldn't have made no difference to me. I knew I was going to hell and that he loved me. And if I came down near the front, he is going to change me. And I walked away a new creature. He turned the bud dumber off and turned the glory spout on. He turned the desire for drugs off and the desire for his word on. Woo! God done that. Not AA, AAA, or NA, or nothing else. It wasn't, one, it wasn't 12 steps, it was one step in the right direction. God saved me, changed my life, birthed me in the family. You talk about Reformers Anonymous. I got reformed all right, right there in that, in that altar, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Now, I wish I could tell you I got, got saved, and I never done nothing wrong. Truth is, I still messed up. And you know what? The closer I get to God and the further, I'm pastoring 20 years if I'm not right. Am I right? April the 19th, I'll be here 20 years. Landed on South Carolina. Used to be my old party stomping ground. God don't usually let that happen. And God let me pastor right where. I'm tickled to death. A hardware's going up at the place or I used to do some wicked things. I, I'm tickled to death that we're back here on this back street. Yeah. <laughs> some of them I used to run up and down the highways. Man, I'm so, I'll see some of them people in jailbird and thank God I wasn't no better than them. Why'd you save me? And when I mess up, you know what the devil says? You don't even deserve to be saved. Get on back down there in the hall pen. You probably ain't even right. I said, no, I'm gonna tell you something, devil. I ain't no way I could have quit what I was doing without the Lord Jesus Christ. I, there's no way I'd wanna go to church without the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way my family be together without the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't tell me something. I'll tell you what I like to do. I like to get a rotten egg and throw that sucker in that joker's eyes and tell him he's gonna bust hell wide open one day. God's gonna throw him in hell and that's, he's gonna get what he deserves and I'm gonna get what I don't deserve because I deserved hell too. But I'm gonna get heaven. I, I wish I could tell you I did everything right, but I didn't. But you know what happens? I look down and see them shoes. Now you say, preacher, when I look at your shoes, I see dress shoes, yeah. All you see is dress shoes. What I see is shod with the preparation of the gospel. What I see is pertinent shoes. I've had a rough time. It ain't been easy. We fought a lot of battles down here on 200 East Blue Ridge Street. But you know what God's done? He's let us see some young folks get saved. Yes, sir. He's let us see some young people recently get saved. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, Noah, Chandler, I need y'all. I'm going to tell you, y'all think y'all, I need y'all. I, I need Miss Savannah. I'm telling you, I, I love it. When she texted, said, can y'all go see Peeler? <laughs> Woo! I just felt like one of them cars backed up, backed up backed up and I felt snowbound. I said, God, if you'll let me go. Hallelujah. I, Mickey, I need y'all. Boy, I'm telling you, help me. 
see y'all walk back through the door. I need y'all. You know what the truth is? We got to have each other. I don't believe that man would have went to the hog pen if they'd have been a preacher standing down there. Please don't go. But that ain't in the text. Where's the good church at? Where's the prayer meeting at? Why didn't they throw a party when they was living right? Why didn't they encourage them young people while they was doing right? Thank God, let's have a party now for you. Instead, they wait till they go to the hog pen and come back. Listen to me. I need y'all. You know what, buddy? Them hot dogs for the hungry over in Forest City on Monday night. There's a young lady over there with some kids. She drove that bicycle, little basket. Brought kids falling behind her. They need us. They ain't all homeless, but they hungry. They need us. Down there at the jail where I go every week, they at the prison, they need us. Back to jail, you know what they need, but you know what? I need them. Right. I need them. I like going in there, brother. Nine of them get saved. Right. Some of them are for just riding a four wheeler yeah. in the snow on the road. Yeah. They don't know why they're there, but I know why they're there. And when they get saved, they say, Preacher, I know why I'm here now. God save me. I'm talking about good people, business people that just forgot about a court date, warrant got out for them and got locked up, got one man off the roof with a roofing business, put him in jail. He couldn't call nobody, but I got to preach to him that day before he got out. Hey, man, I need, I need Tobin Becker. I gotta have, we gotta have each other. You know what them shoes are? They praising shoes. But more than that, they God's people's shoes. They used to say, Ashley, you remember this? You remember one of them white, what it, kids? Remember that? And y'all was wearing blue jean skirts. And it, I don't know why, but it just so happened, a couple of services in a row, every girl had white kids and every girl had blue jean skirts. They thought we was a cult. Some of them went to the town council and said, he brought a gun, throwed it on the pulpit, dared anybody speak. I said, I didn't do that. I had about three or four with me, but nah, let's get it. I didn't do that. That's crazy. Why would I do that? Make up crazy stuff. You know why? Because they thought they, they didn't know not, how can find nothing against us. So they tried to get something about us, make it up. And the Bible said, if they're going to say something against you, let them make it up. Right. Or let it be about you serving God. Yeah. And just because everybody wore them shoes, what I'm trying, simply trying to say is, y'all just see some old black shoes. I think I got these that pay less. I got about two that's the same y'all just see old black shoes but I see shoes that go to church I never wore these in a honky tonk (laughs) these always take me to church I wore these to the funeral the other day I got to go down the steps and pray with some young folks that's getting saved and a lady that was raised by an atheist family and I got to see her get saved and she said, I don't have no faith but something happened to me back there. Some, somehow faith got put in me, preacher and I had to come down here and get saved. 
Amen. That's the Bible. She just didn't know it. And Chris, y'all come on, get ready. Here's what I want to say. God's got the right pair for you. Sometimes we try to minimize God. Sometimes we try to think God don't understand, but see, God knows how to supply the right shoe for your situation you're going through right now. God knows what you need. I don't. But I'm going to guarantee you, how many of you in here got work boots on? Have y'all, some people in here got work boots at the house? Got some rubber boots at the house? For some rainy days. Got some tennis shoes for running. God knows exactly what you need to put on. There might be times that you're going to face some storms. If you'll come down here to this altar, God can pick the right pair of shoes for you. He can put you some old 